David and Goliath. Now, here's the problem with David and Goliath. I don't know that I'm going to get through it in one week because there's so many awesome things about this Bible, true Bible story. Sometimes I, I say true because sometimes when we talk about Bible stories, they're almost like fictitious stories that were made up. But no, they, they're true. They're, it's Bible. It's true. And this is a story about a little boy named David. But then there's also there's an individual or character named Goliath. Now, David, David was a shepherd boy. But wasn't just, uh, he wasn't known as a shepherd boy at the end of his days. He was known as a king. What, he, what his profession that his parents gave him, his teaching, his upbringing, was enough to make him a shepherd. But what God gave him was enough to be a king. He was a boy given the duties of a shepherd, but then God anointed him to be a king. And I share that with you because you all do something. Maybe you sleep all day and sleep all night, or maybe you have a job, or maybe you raise kids, or whatever that might be, you do something. But that which you do, that man has given you to do, God can give you much greater things in his anointing. And so it's important to want his anointing. So we're going to pick up the story after David was anointed to be a king, but still remained a shepherd boy. And he was uh, tending the flock while his brothers were out um, with Saul, King Saul at that time, getting ready to fight the Philistines. Say Philistines. It's kind of a cool word to say, Philistines. But they were, uh, the Philistine was the, the army that had um, come against God's people. And God's people were uh, also known as the people of Israel. And the Philistines were battling against them, we would say. But let me tell you, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 17. And really, this story is all in that chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I'm going to start at verse 4. And verse 4 is where the this person enters the scene by the name of Goliath. Say Goliath. This is, we're going to be interactive today. Goliath was not a wee little man. He was not like Zacchaeus. Goliath was a big man. It says Goliath, a Philistine, champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. So on one side, you have the Israelite army. And on another side, you have the Philistine army. And out steps Goliath. Now, he was over nine feet tall. Now, have you ever met anybody that's nine feet tall? No, I haven't either. I've met some tall people, but not nine feet. One tall person I've met is Gary. So, Gary, would you come join me? So, Goliath stepped out. Now, he wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. Hi, Gary. Come on up here. Now, Gary's tall. He's a big guy. I don't know how tall you are. Okay, so, so he's like 6'3". 
But Goliath wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer, so he had another armor bearer that walked ahead of him and carried a shield. So there's Goliath, and then there's another armor bearer that step out. Need an armor bearer. Raymond, be an armor bearer for me. So he was a champion coming against God's army. Now, if you're an armor bearer, you're going to have to stand next to him because you're going to protect him. His job was to kill and destroy. And And his armor bearer's job was to protect him so he could what? Kill and destroy. Oh, You can't kill without a sword. So there's your sword. And you need a shield to protect him. So, so, so make sure you protect him. Now, this is, I need a kid. Is there a kid around here? Troy, are you up for it? You want to be David? How about any kids? Paul? Paul. Eden? Paul? Anyone? Come here. Come here. Paul, come here. Oh, okay. Because you can't go to battle without your shoes on. Here we go. We got Eden coming. We'll have a couple Davids. Come up here. Now, stand right here, Eden. So this is probably a good comparison. Here's another David. Pretty awesome. You know that, right? She's like, yeah, yeah I know that. So we have Goliath and his armor bearer, and then we have David that comes out to fight him. Now, there's a lot of story that goes on there, and we're going to get to that story in a minute. But what I love about children is this, and David wasn't a child necessarily. This works for the whole size comparison. But he was extremely confident, just as they're confident to be up here in front of you today. Now, do you guys know the story of David and Goliath? And Goliath was a big man, and I know your daddy's a nice man. <laughs> but what happened to David and Goliath, or what did David do to Goliath? Do you know? He, um, he got some rocks, and he got a slingshot, and he threw it at Goliath. He got knocked out. Perfect. That's perfect. And then, if you have little kids in the room, plug their ears. Then he took this sword as he was laying on the ground and chopped off his head. That is intense. But this is impossible. This should not happen. There is no way that together even, that Paul and Eden could take down these two men. They couldn't. Okay, right now I want you to take down these two men. Just wrestle them to the ground. Only a daughter could take down a man like that. And he did, she did. But, but you, you get my point. There is no way that 
these kids, even together, could take down these two men. That's why the story doesn't add up. It's not natural, but it wasn't meant to be. It was supernatural. Thank you guys for participating. You can keep all that. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good story. Good job, Paul. You guys can go sit down. Thank you. That's Goliath, a big man. It goes on that Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the, to the Israelites, Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if, you, if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send a man who will fight me. Now, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Because they were looking at what they considered an insurmountable foe. They were looking at something that was impossible to overcome. And to even step out and try to fight them meant they would be slaves to the Philistines. Because they had already lost the battle in their own mind, in their own heart. You know, there's an enemy that will push and prod you to fight. But the enemy wants you to fight from fear. Because if you fight from fear, you will lose. If you fight from fear and you lose, you'll be enslaved to the enemy you have fought for and you've lost. And you've become slaves to those things. But in the fight, you did it alone. In the fight, you did it from fear. And today, you live enslaved because you fought from fear and because the enemy taunted you. But then there's David. He was the youngest of eight brothers. He was taking gifts out to the oldest, three, and dad had instructed him, go and deliver these things to your brothers and then come back. And They were with Saul, the, the king, and, and they were a part of the Israelite army. So he delivers supplies, runs ahead to see his brothers. And, and here I, I envision the, the, the armies were of Israel were marching out to the battlefield. And so he runs ahead, and I'm sure as they're marching, he's, he's like the little brother, hey, hey, what are you guys doing? Hey, hey, where are you going? And then he hears the taunts. David, the little, little in comparison to Goliath, he wasn't a boy as we demonstrated here today. He was probably, uh, my son's 15, and he's taller than his mom, and and I'm sure he was of decent stature. But he's not old enough to fight. And so he hears the taunts, the things that you heard earlier from Goliath. 
And he, he questions. Let me read it here. Chapter 17. I skipped a bunch, and I want to, for the sake of time, let me keep going here. When man fights alone, he hears the taunts of Goliath. But there is something different about David. See, David had spent a tremendous amount of time in God's presence. David, as a shepherd boy, would spend many hours, countless hours, not, not on Facebook or Snapchat. Or, he spent countless hours alone with sheep, protecting the sheep. There was times that things would happen where a bear would come or a lion would come to, to take the sheep, and he'd have to fight off the, a bear or a lion. He had a tremendous amount of confidence. He was almost naive in his confidence because he was so close to the Lord. The issue was with the Israelite army, though, is that they weren't as close to the Lord, I believe, as David was. I only believe that because of the demonstration of what happens. When the nature of man prepares to fight, when the nature of man prepares to fight, which is what was going on with the Israelite army, when you rise up in the morning and you say, I'm going I'm to drink my coffee, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to be ready to go after my day, but you don't take the Lord with you, that's preparing for your day without the Lord. The Israelite army was preparing to fight without the but their will to win is easily overcome by the shout of a supernatural enemy. Goliath wasn't natural to them. He was supernatural. They were prepared in the natural, and as soon as they heard the shout of a supernatural enemy, they cowed down. The Israelite army preparing to fight and believing for a win by even shouting cries of encouragement. I imagine they would rally and huddle beforehand, almost like a football team before they go to the line. Break, we're going to go do this. I'm sure they were trying to work themselves up. But they would head out for battle. Fear of the thing. Now listen to this. And fear of the thing that was bigger than their faith again rose up. Paul had offered a great reward, so even the promise of a great reward from man was still not enough to overcome their fear. Upon hearing this, David responded. Verse 24 says, As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. When they, when they saw Goliath, they began to run in fright. I, they gather up, I'm sure, and they're, they're ready to go to battle. Come on, we're going to do it. Who's going to do it? I got it. We can do this. Let's do this. It's kind of like recovery. If you're struggling with any type of an addiction or, or maybe some would say, well, that's just drugs and alcohol. No, I'm talking about addicted to sin and there's these things in our lives that we become addicted to and, and there's fear wrapped around it and we're going we're gonna to do this. We're gonna, we can do this and we head out and then all of a sudden we see the supernatural foe ahead of us and his cry causes us to run and hide and cower in fear. Is it in your life that is big like a Goliath? In fact, you've grown so accustomed to going to battle just to turn around and not fight. And you've gotten so used to just, this is who I am. 
this Goliath just goes with me everywhere I go because truthfully I'm enslaved by him or by it. See, the, the story of David and Goliath has so many twists and turns and you can look at it in so many ways, but the way I want us to see it today is that this insurmountable foe that you're dealing with each and every day was not meant to be the Goliath that enslaves you. When you come to know that there can be victory over it, then you get to move from what man made you, a shepherd boy, where the anointing reigns in your life and you become a king. What is your insurmountable foe? As soon as the Israelite army had saw Goliath, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. There's a good reason to fight because of what you could gain in the natural. But what's your perspective? David had an interesting perspective, a godly perspective. David had spent, as I said, so much time in the presence of God that he saw things more like God did than the way that man saw them. Man was trying to be motivated by what man could give him. David wasn't motivated by the reward of man. David's motivation was more about his perspective of what was going on. When he was running alongside of his brothers, he knew that he was a man of God. And he knew who God was. And when he heard Goliath cry out and the, and the Israelite army start to retreat, he was probably perplexed or confused. Because he's thinking, wait a minute. What about God? We're to be like David. Here's what David said. He asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he, and, and listen to this. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. That was his perspective. He wasn't worried about his physical life as much as he was concerned that he's defying the living God. He wasn't fighting for the reward, although he asked. He was concerned about this man calling out and defying the living God and the people of the living God. Listen to this, though. So David, he, he, he's, I'm sure, building up within himself that he's going to go and fight this battle. Or something has to happen. There was an injustice going on right now. And that injustice had to be corrected. And in verse 28, but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. He says, what are you doing around here anyway, boy? <laughs> he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. 
He was being criticized by those that were closest to him, those that he went to go deliver food to and gifts. What I find interesting in this is that when we go to fight our own battles, and we finally get to that place that I'm going to fight this battle, but I know I can't fight it alone. I can only do it with you, Lord. Sometimes there's those that are closest to you and know you so much that will start to remind you of where you came from. And I'm telling you, don't listen to those that told you where you came from. Listen to those that are going to tell you where you're going. They said to him, go back and take care of the sheep and quit talking about this. You just want to see the battle. Sometimes even those fighting in the army of God lose perspective. And when faced with the reality of how they have slipped in their faith, they will even challenge those with faith like David. See, I I believe that the, the Israelite army, they knew who God was. They weren't intimate with him at that time. They had slipped in their faith. They knew they were fighting for the living God. But their perspective had shifted because they had not encountered his presence to the degree where they just saw things the way God saw them. And then all of a sudden, a David, somebody that had not been in the army of God, showed up. They were new on the scene, fresh. And they were showing up those whose faith had slipped. And so those, when, when, you, when, when you come across people whose faith has slipped, they really want to try to level the, battle, the battlefield or the playing field because sometimes when you backslide or you slip in your faith, those that have great faith shine a light on you that hurts. But see, when David fights this battle, he wasn't the only one that won. It was the entire army that won. Where the brother was concerned about his pride being trampled upon, the real battle had nothing to do with ego or status. It had everything to do with fighting for the Lord above. It, it, criticism from those even in the same battle will sometimes cause you not to fight. Now David replied, what have I done? I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported back to the king. And the king sent for him. Again, those close to him tried to hold him back and ridiculed him for even thinking such a thought. But it goes on in in verse 32. It says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There is no way you can fight this Philistine. There is no way you can overcome that sin or that addiction or whatever it's been going on in your life. Don't be ridiculous. That's just been going on for too long, and you're just going to have to hang on to that and try to shine the light in the midst of being enslaved. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. Again, being reminded of where he came from in his current state. He didn't see the anointing on David. And he says, Goliath, he's been a man of war since his youth. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 says, But David persisted. 
I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. I'm sure that was real impressive to Saul. Here's this nine-foot Goliath, and you're telling me you've been taking care of sheep and goats. But he goes on. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consents. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Are you prepared to go after the Goliath that has been enslaving you and holding on to you for so long? The thing you've just given into and said that's just life. Are you prepared to fight that battle once and for all? See, God's been preparing you. Just as he's been pre- prepared David to fight Goliath, you've been fighting and winning battles. They weren't Goliath battles, but they were battles. Every battle prepares you for the next. A new battle equals a new victory. A new victory equals new territory. New territory is kingdom expansion for the Lord. See, every battle that you have fought and won was to prepare you for the next battle that could be greater than the last, but you will fight and win. It's learning to walk in faith. Think about it. Have you fought and won battles in your life because, the, because God brought you through it. Have you seen the answers of prayer? But my son's in church today. An answer to prayer. The answer to prayer is this. He can actually hear in his right ear. Let me give a little short testimony because this is a battle that has been won, which means that there's going to be a greater battle that can be won. I won't win it. He won't win it. You won't win it on your own. But with God and His anointing, the battles can be and will be won for His glory. Because a, winning, a, a, a win in battle leads to more territory, and more territory leads to kingdom expansion. And that's why I know we'll win. He, he, he had to have this surgery, and as we were praying for him, Three or four Sundays ago, I felt the Lord say that every hand, and we prayed this, that every hand in that surgery room that touches him will be a hand of healing. Now, here's the thing. We go there that morning to check in. I'm standing behind Dina and Caleb are sitting at the counter checking in, and I'm standing behind him, and I look down, and on a clipboard, there was this sign-in sheet of sorts, and there was a logo that says, Healing Hands. I said, oh, oh yeah, you got this. He goes in, has his surgery, doesn't hear right away because there's stuff in there. But after the doctor removes the junk two weeks later, he's hearing. I, I don't know to what degree, but he's hearing. And, and why is that important? For his hearing? Yeah. But more for God's glory. I share it for his glory. Because God can be glorified in our lives. When you go into battle, 
you will win. Why? Because God wants to be glorified. If you do it on your own, you would be glorified. That's not we, why we fight battles. I, I've seen it. I've, I've seen numerous times people that have gone through recovery, we'll call it, from addictions, and, and they'll do their, their 12 steps in their big book, and they go through these steps over and over and over again, and they're very faithful and religious about it. But the problem is that they're religious about it. And if they slip, then they start hanging themselves out there for potential relapse. I've seen people say that I am in recovery. But what I want to hear them say is God is keeping me recovered. Don't do this alone. I guarantee you, you're going to have a battle. Because God wants to take more territory. And if you don't battle, you can't take territory. But don't do it alone. Do it like David did. And when you see someone, don't do like Saul did. Don't overburden him with religiosity. Verse 38, Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. He says, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So, so David took them off again. But we do that. Somebody gets saved, and we said, okay, so we're going to prepare you for battle. And I'm not talking about what we read in Ephesians, and it talks about the, the armor of God. But, but we'll start to say, you know, you've you got you to pray this way. You've got to act this way. You've got to do these certain things. And we, and we start lining out what a Christian walk should look like, and, and it becomes very prescribed. It becomes, I got to hear a testimony from Pooja, and she was talking about, Religion and relationship. And we start to get away from the relationship and we start talking about the religion of Christianity. Now, we'll do good things because of our crazy love for God. But Saul could not, in his mind, see how David could win, first of all. And if he stood any chance, let me at least give him some religion to help him out. And this armor. But David knew he had what he needed. He picked up, as we heard Eden so eloquently share with us earlier, he picked up five stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. You will know the right thing because it will fit within our godly experience. There's so much here and I'm out of time. But let me share this. Hebrews 11.2 says this, Faith is the confidence that, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. What 
Saul tried to arm David with just did not fit. Because David's faith was greater than the armor that Saul tried to give him. If you're spending time with the Lord, you'll start to just understand that things are either right or they're wrong. You'll get this, I'll call it a sixth sense, but it's not that. But it's a spiritual sense. It's a Holy Spirit sense. The more time you spend with the Lord, you just start to understand. Well, this isn't right. David, David said, this is not right. And I know all I need to do is walk out there with some stones and my staff and a sling. And we'll be okay. It will be fine. Because his faith was his confidence. When you don't feel like you can beat the Goliath in your life, it's an issue of faith. How do we build our faith? Be in the Word. Be in His presence. Be aware of the battles He has fought on your behalf and won already. Okay, we're going to wrap this up quick. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Goliath says, Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. I got to keep going. Proximity. Pressure, breakthrough, and finality. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. You're going to have to face your Goliath. You're going to have to get real close and personal about it. There's this holy tension that is created at that point in time. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled 
and fell face down on the ground. He stepped into the face of his foe. Pressure was intense. A little rock was not going to kill a champion. But the presence of God can. There was breakthrough. But sometimes when we get to breakthrough, we stop there. There has to be finality. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Breakthrough. He knocked down the giant. He knocked it down, and he was no longer standing and cursing the army of the living God. But that wasn't enough. Because that giant will not come back in my life. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Proximity, pressure, breakthrough, finality. If the worship team could come. There's those of us, and I've said it earlier, There's things in our life that are like a Goliath. There's things in our life that that we've just said, this is just what it is. This is who we are. We're coping every single day with a Goliath. But God has told us that we're to take new territory. And as long as that Goliath is standing there and taunting us and defying the Lord... And the Lord's work in our life, we will not be able to take territory. So, this is the call today, church. What is the Goliath? Are you ready to let the Lord fight the battle with you? Are you ready to get close to that Goliath and, and do the action? See, the, the sling and the stone was more. I'm demonstrating my faith in you, Lord. And I'm going to put down the bottle. I'm going to quit this sin, whatever it might be. I'm putting my faith in you, Lord. I'm going to put action to my faith. Breakthrough comes. I think about cleansing stream and the different things that we learn in that class, in that group, is that if there's things in your... Okay, maybe there's breakthrough. Maybe there's things in your closet that you've had breakthrough in. But the finality is get it out of the house. Don't give yourself opportunity to go back to the giant. Clean the house. Maybe the house is this. God wants to take territory so he can expand his kingdom, but he doesn't want to do it until you have breakthrough and finality. Because he wants you to be a part of kingdom expansion. Do you want to be a part of the kingdom?